Thanks, Karen. Good morning, Brookside. It's good to see all of you. Anybody drive their boat to church this morning? My goodness. Well, I'm glad you made it, and uh, I too just want to say, as Karen did, uh, welcome if you're, a, if you're a guest here with us this morning. Uh, my name is Jeff, one of the pastors here, and, and uh, we're just really glad that you, you've uh, chosen to join us uh, this morning. So, as Karen said, we're going to be continuing on today in our series uh, that's taking us through the New Testament book of Romans, and uh, next week, actually, we're going to conclude this phenomenal series going through this incredible book of, of Scripture that we've been in for, for several uh, weeks now, and as you know, we've uh, titled this, these last chapters, this series that's really taking us through these last chapters of the book of Romans, we've titled it Dedicated To. And um, we chose that title because of the way Paul uh, wrote the, the end of Romans, the way that he wrote those last uh, chapters. We've seen throughout this book, we saw in, in chapters 1 all the way through chapter 11, that we're learning a lot about who God is. We're also learning about, a lot about about who we are, and um, it's, it's, it's the, the gospel is being made very clear to us, who we are in Christ, and, and that's compelling us then to, to live in a certain way, to be dedicated to the truths of God. So uh, we get through chapter 11, we hear a lot about who God is, then we get to chapter 12, and it's as though you can really see a, a change in the text. There's a, a, a tone change, the direction you could say changes as well. The emphasis really goes from uh, belief to behavior, it goes from uh, information that we're receiving to, okay, what should I do now? From information to, to application. Uh, in a nutshell, you could say this. In chapters 1 through 11, we've learned a lot about who God is, but when we get to chapter 12 and as we go on through the rest of this book, we're seeing, okay, in light of who God is, as I respond to the work of Christ in me, if I'm a follower of Christ, I'm awed. I mean, God has renewed me. God's brought me into relationship with Him. All those things they cause me to be dedicated to certain things, certain, a certain way of life that, that God would call me to. In Romans chapter 12, we saw that Paul gives us a very clear target on the wall to aim for. Uh, very clear. He says, I want you, in light of who you are in Christ, he says, I want you to respond to God. I want you to be dedicated to God in, in such a way that it would be said about you that your life is holy and it's pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. Phenomenal thing for us to, to really seek after. And then last week, Pastor Steve talked about uh, what it means to live a life of real love. We talked about how do you love a person that's maybe hard to love? How do you love someone when it's going to cost you something? Do you, do you enter into that? Um, if you missed last week, I would highly encourage you, go online, watch, watch that message. Worth your time. Now, this morning's text, these seven verses that we're going to look at, they talk about how we're to respond to authority that is over us, specifically governing authority. And as I studied this week, I was thinking about how not only is this text applicable to us personally, but if we really grab a hold of, of Paul's words in Romans chapter 13, this text can have an impact on our city. This text can have a, an impact even beyond that. It's a very, um, very powerful text. I want to share this with you, and then we're going to praise before we start, but just to kind of set up even how we approach God this morning in prayer, uh, just to prepare our hearts, I was reminded this week of a group of people in the book of Acts, and it's, it's just a simple statement, but it said this, when they received the word of God, it said that they received it with, and then here's the two words that were key to me, great eagerness. So when they, when they received the word of God, they received it with great eagerness. And so as we approach the text this morning, 
I just want us to pray, regardless of maybe what our week's been like, um, the good or the bad. Let's approach God and let's just say, in these next moments, Lord, you are our teacher. And Lord, we're saying with great eagerness, we approach your word. It's living, it's active, and God, we want to hear from you. So would you pray with me, and then we'll dive into this, this text. So Lord, thank you for this morning. As Karen said, um, no place like home. I thank you, God, that we can come here week after week and worship you in truth, in spirit and truth, and then, Lord, that we can, we can hear from your word. And so, Lord, would you, I pray, speak to us this morning. We want to say to you, Lord, we are your students today. Um, you are our teacher. We proclaim that, and we just say, Lord, humbly, we want to hear from you. Lord, we want to know what does it mean to be dedicated to the things of God? In light of who you are, in light of all that we've learned throughout this series, how should we respond? How do we live dedicated to you? And so would you even just have a prayer right now just to yourself and just say, between you and God, and just say, Lord, I'm your student this morning. Lord, I'm humbly saying, would you teach me this morning? So go ahead and have that kind of conversation with the Lord. Lord, that's our prayer this morning. Uh, we love you. We trust you. And, uh, and God, we know you respond to each person in this room that opens himself up to you. And so that's our heart's uh, prayer this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, our topic today is how do we respond to governing authorities? Um, and beyond that, why do we respond in certain ways to them? Uh, with, this is potentially a very charged topic, right? And so let's just get the elephant in the room acknowledged right away, okay? If I were to survey the crowd this morning, if I were to be able to sit across from you and we were to be able to have a conversation, and then I asked you this question, how do you feel about submitting to your governing authorities? What would you say? For some of you, you would say something maybe like this. You would say, you know what, I'm, I'm not really engaged in that very much. I really don't care. It sort of seems like it's out of my control anyway, the outcome, and so I'm, I'm disconnected. Not that big a deal. Others of you would say maybe, you know what, I, um, I see red flags, legitimate red flags in, in the system. You would point to flaws. And you would say, because of that, this topic for me is a little bit hard. This is one that I maybe have a hard time engaging with. I have a, you know, I've got some, some real concerns. Other people might say, you know what, I highly respect those in authority over me. I highly respect the, the, the position, the offices that we have. And you would say, you know what, I do everything I can to be a contributor. That's how you would answer this question. For others of you, you would say, you know what, just, just hearing the topic, just, just, you just, just even you just bringing it up makes me look for the exit signs and begin to tune you out. I know you're out there, right? It's very, very encouraging to a teacher that, no, no I'm just kidding. Um, but here's the thing, for some of you, those four words, submitting to governing authorities, that is, uh, that's hard for you. That's, that's something that, that you would say, you know what, I, 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 this isn't a topic I like to hear about. And the reason why is this, it's because you care to your credit. You're passionate about things. You've got strong opinions because you care about certain outcomes. Let me just encourage you this morning. We can all just take a, a deep breath as we approach this topic. The reason why this subject is, is so important and the reason why it's so crucial for us to be able to get it right is this. It's because God, the entire God of the universe, right? 
the one who knows the present from the future, he had some very specific things to say about how we are to act, how we're to think even about our governing authorities. This morning, we're going to see that there is an unmistakable relationship between how we honor God and how we honor those who are in authority over the, us. I want to give you just a summary statement, and I think this will help you be able to walk out and know, okay, what was the text about? And, and even beyond that, not only what was it about, but more importantly, how am I supposed to respond to it? So here's the statement. Let me jot this down. I honor the one over all as I honor those over me. I honor the one overall. I honor God, supreme, ultimate authority, as Rob said. God up here. I honor the one overall as I honor those who are over me. Let's dive into this. Paul um, is going to give us a command. He's going to give us a to-do. He's going to repeat it three different times in verses 1, 5, and 7. We're going to get something that we're supposed to go out and do but the nice thing about this text and true of Scripture throughout is it's not just, hey, here, go do this, go be a, a doer, go implement this, but it's, there's reasons behind it. Okay, why are we to act in a certain way? Why are we to be devoted to this kind of action in response to our relationship with, with Christ? Just a heads up, if, if you're a Christian this morning, uh, this text is written straight to you. We are on the hook for this one. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you're just kind of checking it out, you're on a spiritual journey and that's, that's where you're at, um, first I commend you for that, thank you for being here and I, I commend you for that, that journey. Um, you're going to see this morning a picture of a, kind of a window into one area that a person who's a follower of Jesus Christ is called to in response to their faith in, in Christ because of their faith in Him. And hopefully what you hear this morning, you'll be able to walk away and go, you know what, I, I see that. I see Christians do that. That's, that's the challenge that's on us this morning as Christ followers. So Romans chapter 13, verse 1, says this. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Now, to be subject to means this. It means to come underneath. It means to submit, to, to come underneath. It's like I'm willingly placing myself under the authority of someone else. It could be from the authority to, of the person right at the top all the way down to an officer who is directing traffic. Uh, we were at a soccer game yesterday for our, our six-year-old daughter and all these six-year-olds running around out there on the field, you know, budding World Cup players, I might add. And uh, they were the, under the authority, very clearly. They are under the authority when they are on the field of the, the referee. He blows the whistle, they stop. He tells them what to do, they do it, right? Under authority, they follow direction. Now notice particularly though in, in this verse where God shows up in the equation. Notice it says, for there is not any authority except that which God has established. And Paul then, he, he repeats himself, and don't miss this. Look at the rest of verse one. It says, the authorities that exist have been, here it is again, established by God. Put very simply, what Paul is saying is government was not man's idea. We'll see that even further into the text, there'll be language that's used that designates governing authorities as two things. One, God's servants. Other translations will even say God's ministers. And since government is God's idea, it's unmistakable. I honor God when I honor those over me. I honor the one over all when I honor those who are over me. 
And you might be thinking to yourself, and, and um, this would uh, be a, a common thought, I think, shared by many of you. You would think, you know what, if the governing authorities were godly, if the governing authorities over me, if some of them, if a majority of them for sure, this would be a palatable text. I could understand what Paul is saying, and I would be very okay with it. If, if you could dictate the character of those who are going to rule over you, if I could. It's important, and I, I think it's very helpful to understand what it would have been like. The context of this passage is really important this week. I think it's important to understand what it would have been like to have woken up day after day after day under the ruling authority that the people that Paul is writing to woke up each day under. Paul is writing to Jews in Rome. These Jews aren't living in a democracy. They're living in a dictatorship, a system of government where there's one authority and he has ultimate power over all, a system of government where there's one lead. The context of this person, and in their context, this dictator was often viewed as a god, deemed as a god. The average person had no say. The average person had, had no voice. Their opinion, they had an opinion, but it didn't, it didn't matter. It didn't weigh in at all, nothing. The ruler's name was Nero. And Nero took office when he was 17 years old. Now, I'm kind of prideful of our high school students. We've got some very sharp 17-year-olds here in the crowd today. But let's be honest. Those sharp ones would even say this. Do you think it's a good idea that a 17-year-old rules the entire empire? Probably not a good idea. That, that sort of doesn't sit well with me, right? A little un unsettling. Shortly after taking office, Nero put to death every government official who opposed him, along with his wife and his mother. Not a real kind guy. He's accredited for burning 70% of Rome for his own selfish gain, expand his own kingdom. Later, he became known as one who would take oil, and he would, imagine this, he would pour it on Christians, he would light them on fire, and those fires would be used then to light his gardens at night. This man was cruel. This man was utterly inhumane. Can you imagine living under this kind of government? Imagine what that would be like day in and day out to get up underneath that government. Paul, though, noticed this. He wasn't writing Romans chapter 13 proposing a new government. No, he was writing Romans 13 saying, this is how I want you to act under the authority that is already happening in your midst. I'll tell you what, that context gives me a lot of perspective as we approach this text. There are others in Scripture that modeled acknowledging government authorities as well. Acknowledging them as they're from God. Jesus was one of them. Jesus himself, he made a very telling statement. We see this in, in Matthew chapter 22. He was approached by a group of people and they wanted to trick him. They were out to get Jesus and so they, they thought, you know, we'll stump him on this, on this political issue. And so they asked him a question. They said, in your opinion, Jesus, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And uh, with that question, they thought, you know, if he answers this way, he's in trouble. If he answers this way, he's in trouble. And Jesus responded very simply. He said, show me the coin used for paying tax. And then he asked, whose portrait is on this coin? And they replied, and Jesus said, Who's, whose inscription? They replied, Caesar, that's, that's who. And then Jesus said to them, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And what Jesus was doing there is two things. One, he was recognizing the validity of human government. But he was also saying that it has limits. He was saying, he was making it known that there is a God who is over all. 
It's interesting that the reason why, one of the reasons why Christianity wasn't just given a green light to expand in the first century. One of the reasons why there was resistance to Christianity in the first century was because this idea, governing officials thought, okay, if, if Christians have God as ultimate authority, right? God is ultimate authority, then how will they behave when, when we're asked, you know, when we impose our authority? Will they, will they rebel against it? And they thought if there's anybody that has an ultimate authority that's not government itself, that's going to cause trouble, nothing but trouble. And so they, they opposed it. They thought if, that, if that's the way society would be, they thought it would be utter chaos. The Apostle Paul is saying the very opposite would be true. He's saying because you are a Christian, he's saying you should be the very best citizens, the best citizens around, the noble calling. The Apostle Peter, he put it like this, and this was likely on the eve of, of Nero's fiery persecution. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter wrote this. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Then he goes on, verse 17. Show proper respect, here it is, to everyone. I love the family of believers. Fear God. And then this was a big statement. Honor the emperor. To them, they would have read that and be like, what? Really? But notice what Paul or what Peter does in this passage. He's saying it's not just the one at the top that you're honoring. He's saying it's everyone in between. From the person at the top all the way down to like in our, cult, or in our context, you're driving behind a school bus. School bus stops. You think, oh, bummer. The little stop sign comes off the side, Right? all the way down from the top all the way to the school bus driver. That's how wide the net that Peter um, really brings it. The point is this, the best culture, the best thing for culture would be that Christians would move in. The, the most advantageous thing to any culture should be this, that Christians are there. It should bring our mayor a lot of joy if, if, she, if she knows, okay, Christians have moved in. If she gets word, Christian churches are growing. That should be great news. Why? They're the best citizens. That's what, call, that's what Paul is calling us to. This passage for the Christian, I heard it put like this. Submitting to government isn't so much about a horizontal relationship, but it's more about a vertical relationship. Because I recognize that the, the, the authorities have been instituted by God. Again, I honor the one who is over all as I honor those who are over me. Paul goes on. Look with me at verse 2. He writes this. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. We're reading this book, this little adventure book to our kids right now. It's called Hatchet. And uh, it's this great little, little book. And and the kids, though, as we're reading through this book, they've got a lot of questions. And so there are times when we're reading along, and it seems like they have like 10,000 questions. I would be honest. They interrupt every five seconds. Um, but sometimes their questions are really, really good. And so there was a time just the other day when the question was so good that Christina put her finger in, in the chapter we were in, and she closed the book. My guess is right now we need to close the book on Romans 
and just hit one question that some of you are asking. It's this question. Does this mean, this, con- this passage, does this mean that I follow government with this blind obedience no matter what? It's a good question. The answer, absolutely not. We see this in numerous examples in Scripture. Exodus chapter 1, Pharaoh gives this command. I want you to kill all, all the males that are born from, from now on. These ladies hear this command, and what do they do? They, they don't go for it. They, they don't buy in. It says that they feared God, and so out of their fear for God, out of God's ultimate authority, it says, what did they do? They did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them. And how did God respond? God blessed that. Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, he demands three Jewish men to bow down and to, to worship this golden image that, that this king had, uh, had constructed. What did they do? They disobeyed. They said, no, we, we can't do that. Daniel chapter 6, and, and this is important, respectfully, important word there, Daniel respectfully declines to obey the command of the king, respectfully. Acts chapter 4, these Jewish leaders, what do they do? They, they say to, to Peter and to John, they say, don't you teach anymore in the name of Jesus. You can't do that. Well, what's going through the mind though of Peter and John is this. Well, I know Mark chapter 16 and boy, our buddy Matthew, we know what he said too. He said, wow, it, it's pretty clear. Jesus said, I want you to go to all places, to all nations, to all, all peoples, and I want you to proclaim the gospel. And so they responded, we're sorry, respectfully, we must obey God rather than man. Here it is, Christians are not called to violate the commands of God. Let's keep going through this passage. Look with me at verse 3. It says, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will, then, then do what is right and you will be commended. God knew this. God knew that with no government, that would not be a good thing. Verse 4, he goes on. He says, for the one in authority is, this is an important two words, for the one in authority is, here it is, it's God's servant. And what Paul is doing here is he's speaking very categorically and he's saying, government instituted by God, it is meant for good. I think it's quite nice in our culture that if I call 911, someone answers and then someone comes. It's great. I like the fact that murderers and thieves, they don't get to run free in our society. I like the fact that I can enjoy a park. I like paved roads. I've been in enough foreign countries that I appreciate a sewer system that works. It's a big deal. We're grateful for the fact, aren't we, that enlisted men and women at the drop of a hat will serve for us. They'll step up to the plate and serve. We might take that for granted sometimes, but I tell you, we're reminded of it and we go, whoa, that's good. That's helpful. I'm very thankful for that. Government is meant to be a divine institution that brings good. There was a period of time in the Old Testament, a period of history, and I I love how Scripture connects with Scripture, but there was a time that was referred to, you could could say, you could generalize this period of history with two words. The first one is, is anarchy, and the second word is upheaval. And it was a time as talked about in the the book of Judges, the people had no leader. They were leaderless. And the last words of the book of Judges are this, in those days, Israel had no king. 
and they, everyone did as he saw fit. These were not good days for the nation, not at all. Look with me at the rest of verse 4. Here's the, here's the warning that Paul gives us. He says this. He says, But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. Let me ask you a question. If you got home today and you turned on the news and the news just said loud and clear, it said, if you haven't paid your entire, entirely what, you've, what you owe in income taxes, if you didn't report the right income, in the period of the last five years, any one of those years, we're doing away with like a process and a court and all of that, you're just going to be charged. You'll do five years behind bars. What does that do for you? What kind of emotion does that bring to mind for you? There are times when I'm driving and I'll go by a, an officer, a police officer on the side of the road and I'll think, man, I'm just I'm thankful for that guy, that gal. I'm thankful that they protect our city, they keep our roads safe. That's the kind of thought or emotion I have. Then there are other times when I'll pass by an officer. They're just doing their job, right? And I'll think to myself, oh, no. And I'll look in the rearview mirror, right? You know why? I'm afraid because I'm doing wrong. Speeding. God instituted government to be a blessing, but he also instituted government to crack down, to punish those who do evil, to punish those who are in error. Look with me at verse 5. Paul keeps going. He says this word again, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not because of the possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. What Paul's doing is he's drilling down even further. He's getting to the heart of the issue, and he's saying, it's just meaning this, we just don't do right. You and I just don't follow our authorities because we're afraid, you know, we're going to get whacked, or we're afraid that we're going to have to pay a steep fine. No, Paul says beyond that, you follow authority because you're following God. You're following the ultimate authority. And because you're a follower of Christ, you would say, I want my life to exalt Christ. I don't want to just get by. The main question I'm asking isn't, will I get caught? The main question I'm asking with my life is this, how can I exalt Christ? How can I bring honor and glory to Christ? That's the, that's the big, that's the overarching question. You're the kind of person you would say this. It's not about just getting caught. You would say, no, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is alive in me. And I'm responding to who God is in my heart and in my life. And as a result, it's changed me. Remember, chapter 13 of Romans, it's a response. It's a response to the reality of who Christ is. It's a response to everything we've already learned about Christ in chapters 1 through 11. And here's the thing, when you and I, when we have a high view of who God is, this makes sense to us. When we have a high view of God, it makes us go, you know what, I don't want to just get by, I want to be, as Paul would say, be the best citizens you possibly can. That's what Christians should be known for. Later in chapter 13, Paul makes this statement, he says, the night is almost over and the day is already here. And what he was doing is he's wanting his listeners to remember that, that this kingdom will one day be renewed. And so he's saying, don't just focus on today and today's realities. Remember, God is sovereign over all. And so we're not just living for today. Paul's saying, I want you to have a bigger picture. Let your conscience remind you that there is something greater at hand. 
And then verse 6, he says this, gets very specific. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants, there it is again, who give their full time to governing. The next time you pay a tax, and maybe this would be the first time you've ever done this, you can smile. It might be a new idea, it might not be, I don't know. But the next time you pay a tax, you can smile, and here's why. You're supporting an institution that's been established by God. Paul finishes, he digs even deeper. Look with me at verse 7. He says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. And if honor, then honor. Parents know this. You model this to your kids. You, you model this to your coworkers, how you respond in these things. When you give honor, people notice that. When you dishonor, when you slander, people pick up on that. Our daughter said to me the other day, we were driving and I passed a car and she said, Dad, are you driving too fast or is he driving too slow? <laughs> Good question. That's what I said. No, I'm just kidding. But they know, don't they? They know. They notice. Paul says this. Above all, he says, show respect. Show honor. My grandmother, she passed away several years ago, but one of my greatest memories of my times with her um, was one time I was home from college. I was probably 19 years old, and, and she was going through some of my grandfather's things, and my parents were there as well, and, and she was giving my dad my grandfather's Air Force uniform, right? And a uh, special uniform. He, he fought in World War II and, you know, did a long stretch in, in the military, and, and um, so this was a, a big deal. So she, she came across this, and she wanted to give it to, to my dad, but as she was kind of in the process of kind of going through stuff and found this uniform, she said to me, she said, Jeff, would you go try this on for me? And um, I thought, wow, I, I felt, felt pretty honored about that. And so I, I went upstairs and I, I took this uniform and, and I put it on and, and uh, you know, I got all dressed. And I'll be honest, I, I was like, wow, this is, this is a big deal. It's kind of an honorable thing. And, and so I get the uniform on and, and um, I, I came down the stairs uh, to, to see my grandmother and um, I noticed just real quick, I, my hair is a lot thicker in, in that picture. Yeah, that's as close as I'll get to Rob's good-looking hair, I think. But, but so, I'm, so I'm at the top of the stairs, and I, the staircase, you can see the whole staircase from the living room. So in the living room is my mom, my, my dad, and, and my grandmother. And so I get, just take a couple steps down a couple stairs, and I see my grandma. First, she has this big smile on her face, but then just tears start flowing down her face. She's very emotional, and she used to call me Jeffy. Don't ever call me Jeffy, but she called me Jeffy, right? And so she, she comes, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure what to do. I wasn't sure if I should turn around and go back upstairs and take it off or if I was to continue down. And, and so I get to the bottom of the stairs. She hugs me, oh, Jeffy, you know, gets into it. And I'll tell you what, though, I, I walked away from that experience, and I thought to myself, that uniform... It meant something to her. If I would have just put on my grandfather's uh, work shirt or his Sunday suit if he had one and come down the stairs, it would have been no big deal to her. But that uniform and that authority which it represented and that memory of him in that, it meant something to her, something significant. Paul is saying this, honor authority that's over you. When you honor the one over all, you can do that by honoring those who are over you. One of the reasons why I think that this text this morning is, is so important to us is because in a lot of ways in our culture, we've got a lot of freedom 
to be able to express very openly disrespect. We can do that. No punishment for it. There's a a very successful businessman that I I read his books. I listen to him often on the radio. And and, uh, if I said his name, you would know who he is. He's benefited my life a lot. A leader of high character, I would say. You would probably agree. You've benefited from his teachings as well if if you've gotten into them. But I'll tell you what, there are times when I'm listening to him or reading or whatever, and he very intentionally will spend a significant amount of time sometimes going on a little rant where he's very slanderous of those in Washington. He spends a lot of time on it, and he goes on and on and on. And I've thought to myself several times, you know what, I'm okay with the fact that he disagrees with policy. That's right. It's okay. That's a good thing to do when it's wrong. But as he slanders I just think to myself over and over, and I respect this guy highly, but I think to myself, wow, is this, is this helpful? I mean, are these slanderous words, are they, are, they, are they going in the right direction? Is this actually helping the process, or, and this is what I think happens, I think it actually mars his own character, and I'd say he's a guy of high, high character. Let me just say, we can do better than slander, Christians, We can do better than that. Just imagine if Christians were more known for what we're for than what we are against. What kind of impact would that have? You know, there are a lot of ways that I think we can respond to this this text. And I I just want to end with giving you three practical things from what I think is a very practical Romans 13. The first one is this. Here it is. Be engaged. As you think about this text, you might have answer that very first question, how do you respond? How do you feel about submitting to governing authorities? You might have responded in this way, I'm not engaged. I I just don't give it much thought. I I feel like I'm I'm just one person and, you know, that whole thing. Let me just say to you, be engaged. If you're a follower of Christ, be helpful. It could be as simple as picking up trash at a park on the other end to saying, you know what, God's gifted me in these ways. Use your gifts for leadership. Jump in there. Make a difference. Know what's going on. Be a blessing. Next one is this. Be constructive. Be constructive. Parents, this one is a huge one. Your kids, they, they, they know if you do this or not. They, know you're, they can sense it by your attitudes. Uh, your coworkers can sense it. This is something someone shared with me a long time ago. I thought this makes a huge difference in just kind of what you model. You see someone uh, in, in uniform. Imagine you just go up to them, and instead of just passing by them, you see them in uniform, and you just simply say to them, hey, I just wanted to say, thank you so much for serving our city. You go up to someone in uniform, and you say, hey, thank you. I know you pay a big price for what you do. You could. Thank you so much for serving your country in the way you do. That doesn't mean that you agree with everything your country does, but what, what are you doing? You're saying, you know what, I honor authority. I honor the office. And that's what Paul is calling us to. Have you ever noticed this? When you honor someone, they tend to act more honorable. If you're prone to going off on slanderous rants, I would challenge you this morning. What do they accomplish? Do you feel better after you do that? Do those who hear you, do they feel better? No, they don't. Ask yourself this question. God, the creator of the universe, who is sovereign over all, who has a great purpose for your life, does he want you doing that? Is he going, that is a good use of your day? I don't think so. I think he would say, you're wasting your time. You're better than slander. And then the last one, and this is so significant, be prayerful. I was so convicted by this. How often am I praying for our 
government leaders? How often am I begging God on my knees, God, give them wisdom? Their decisions are important for our world, God. Give them, give them favor. God, bless, protect their marriage. How often am, am, I, am I praying? Let this 4th of July, it's Friday, believe it or not. Let this 4th of July, let it even be a reminder for you just to go, okay, I'm going to pray for my leaders. And then maybe this is another thing you do in your prayer. You say this. You say, hey, God, would you help me to trust you? Lord, would you help me to trust you that while I might agree or disagree in all of it, I just say, God, you are the primary authority. You are overall. And so in prayer, in conversation to you, I'm just acknowledging, Lord, as you, the supreme one, Lord, I trust you. Let God bring you comfort on that. Church, Brookside, let's be a people that we are honest. Let's run our businesses in such a way that, we, that people would say of us, best citizens. Let's be a people that it would be said of us as, as followers of Christ, we're above reproach. That Boy, they do an audit of us, no big deal. Let's be engaged. Let's be the kind of people that our mayor would say of us, those Christians, I'm so glad they moved in. We want more of them. Why? Because they're the best citizens. They, they act in a different way. Remember this morning that you and I, we honor the one overall when we honor those who are over us. I honor the one overall when I honor those who are over me. Let's do this. Let's pray and let's just ask God to help us apply this very uh, practical text. So would you, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. And um, Lord, I think Paul gives us such a, a clear charge in this text to be model citizens, to be the best citizens. And so, Lord, we just want to pray this morning that you would help us. Um, God, would you give us the grace, I pray, to rise up against maybe what is normal and to be honorable. Um, so, Lord, we pray even too, though, now for our authorities. God, we lift them up to you, and we just pray, God, you would bless them and keep them. God, would you make your face shine upon them? God, would you be gracious unto them? God, would you give them wisdom and hearts that are open to you and led by you? And then, Lord, would you help us, Lord, to obey, not because we must, but help us to obey and to submit because you, you alone, you, the one who is worthy, you are God over all. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.